Welcome to this week's show. A packed show for you, by the way, if you uh, didn't know that already, because you listen every week and, and we're friends. The packed show includes, we're going to find out all about the brand new Rolls-Royce Cullinan. By the way, the most exclusive SUV in the world. We have an exclusive, just to go with the exclusive SUV, an exclusive interview with Jerry Spahn from Rolls-Royce. He will tell us all about that. We're going to talk about the Olympus Rally. We're going to have an interview about the new RAV4, and we're going to find out about the mental health of Elon Musk. So, uh, Jen, I have to tell you, I went to uh, Texas, to Dallas, to the Texas Motor Speedway, which is a NASCAR uh, speedway. Yes, it is. Um, I watched the guys, by the way, go round and round and round there. But we, I went and test drove um, some Bridgestone uh, products. Yes, I was jealous. Um, you were? Oh, yes. Are you a tire girl? <laughs> I've got big Bridgestones on my truck. Oh, you do? I have a really, uh, Bridgestone fires, I have a really hard time getting people interested in tires. Uh, nobody is ever interested in the tires of their vehicle until they have to go to Costco and get them replaced or to a tire store and get them replaced. That's the only time they ever want to talk to me about tires. They, oh, they want to talk about the new Lamborghini Urus or they want to talk about the new <laughs> Rolls-Royce Cullinan, but uh, nobody wants to talk about tires. And actually, tires are the only part of your car that uh, connects with the road. But you have That's to the... think about them like shoes. You know, every day you want to wake up and, you know, comfortable shoes. Do you shoes. have a job where you need comfy shoes? <laughs> well, then you got to take care of your, you know, your vehicle. That's a good, you know what? You're sometimes quite a genius. Jim. I know. Thanks. Uh, you, I know. I know I'm a genius. Uh, it's like shoes. It's yeah. shoes for your car. Right. Um, you would not go... Uh, on a hike in flip-flops. Right. You know, you would not want to run from a bear in flip-flops. You would not want to go mudding in, with uh, race car tries. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, some people might. It is the Northwest. <laughs> we are a bit nuts up here. Yeah. Uh, so clearly, it's shoes for your car, and it's hard to get people interested. I, I, I learned so much at this Bridgestone event. And, you know, I'm fairly tire neutral. I like all tire companies equally. Mm -hmm. But Bridgestone taught me so much about the, uh, the, the tires. First of all, did you know that if your tires connect in a circular pattern, so it's like a smile where it touches the road, it is considerably more comfortable to drive your vehicle. And right now, most SUV tires connect in a straight line across the tire. So Bridgestone have designed the tires to connect in, in a sort of half circle where they touch the road in a half circle, which means that there's actually more of the tire touching the road, which means that my bum doesn't go numb so often. <laughs> it's really nice to be able to sit in an SUV, and, and they're developing tires specifically for SUVs, because all tires were developed just for cars originally, or big trucks, off-roading. Right. Now they're developing tires for, for things like the RAV4. They're developing tires for SUVs specifically. The other thing, which is amazing, is they have... Such cool ways of getting rid of snow out of tires. Well, I mean, all right, we doesn't snow that often unless you you drive the Snoqualmie Pass or you go to Mount Hood in Oregon. Where, wherever say, you go, yeah. if you go up somewhere skiing, the tire makes a massive amount of difference. These new tires actually churn the snow out of the tire, and some tires pack the snow in, so you get more traction because snow binds with snow. Right? It's clever. Like I learned some, and especially in the wet. It's funny that I had the guys from Motor Trend and Car and Driver in the car, and I took a big SUV through a slalom on a wet road, and they were like, we, we ended up, we already had this discussion yeah. mm -hmm. where I drive how I drive, and, and at the end of it, the guys go, yeah, boy, you can drive. <laughs> I was like, well, yeah, you know, occasionally. So, they weren't from Texas. I was just doing that. So should you take the little barf bags with you? Yeah. Well, you know, you've, you've ridden in the car. We'll talk more about it. You've ridden in the car with me. Oh, yeah. You've ridden in the car with me. Um, I I like to be a spirited driver, Jen. Yes, just, I know. Just, I was I was like one of those people, the dogs that put their head out the window. You know, that was me. Oh, <laughs> now it makes sense. Was that you in the back? Pack show coming up for you today. Uh, of course, make sure you follow us on social media. We're available 24-7 at ourautoexpert.com. You can go on the webs, the interwebs. Uh, you can go uh, to the social medias, and you can even hashtag Our Auto Expert and find out all the latest news. Uh, still to come in the show, I told you what was going on. We'll talk to uh, Mark Morgan about the Olympus Rally. Brian Hancock here to talk about the RAV4. We'll find out next from Chris Duke, the host of Motors TV, how Americans just know nothing about the mechanics of their cars. That's all coming up. All right, welcome back to the show. Uh, we did mention uh, last month that it was National Car Care Month. And uh, it seems to be continuing. We have car care things uh, still coming because we don't do it. Like let's be let's be honest. Uh, probably a horrible percentage of Americans take care of their. Well, we're going to find that out actually <laughs> uh, because uh, joining us on the phone is Chris Duke. 
He is uh, he's a TV guy, and also he has lots of statistics. Uh, Chris, you you have some a survey that was done by GM by Power Card, which tells us that Americans really are horrible about taking care of their cars. Yeah, survey to confirm what we already know, right? So um, this was 664 licensed drivers in the U.S., and uh, the number shows us that about uh, 88%, pretty pretty darn close to 90%, uh, just take their vehicles into automotive experts for service rather than doing the work themselves. And I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, the perfect example that I like to use is, you know, modern vehicles, you pop the hood open, um, and it's just it's not just an engine in there anymore. I mean, in, in most cases, you can't even see the engine anymore. It's got a big cover over it. And so it's kind of a daunting thing, would you agree, For uh, especially for you know EVs and hybrids. I think a lot of people just don't know what to do with them anymore. No, I have no idea to do what, any of it. I'll tell you what cars <laughs> to buy all day, but I am you know, get grease under my fingernails. Good luck with that one. Uh, and and right. it's getting worse, right, because uh, everybody now has these things from Lincoln or from Volvo where they'll come and even fill your car up with gas while you're at work because we're just too right. darn lazy to do it ourselves. <laughs> Actually, I don't think we're too darn lazy. I think we work too hard. That's, that's what I think. That's the truth. We're too busy. You know, Americans, so so you found Americans really don't do well at taking care of their car. I mean, how bad really is it? Well, it, like I said, it's it's 90%. Uh, there's 8% of People uh, will out there will do basic things like changing their uh, their bulbs and their headlights and taillights, their uh, windshield wiper blades. Uh, that's about it. Most people are just taking their their vehicles into um, local shops or the dealers, or you know having somebody stop by. Like you said, you know people are uh, um, employing uh, services like that that exist. So it's it's really crazy. Um, and you know, I mean, that's my show. Motors TV is a DIY show. And that's what I'm trying to get a lot of people. This is actually 10-year anniversary um, this next week. And that's what I'm trying to get people to do is figure out it's really easy to do a lot of these things, either doing upgrades to their vehicle or just maintenance. And uh, it's good to sit down and watch a YouTube video and figure out within a couple of minutes whether it's something you want to get involved with. That might be the change, Um, though, Chris. That might be the change, YouTube. Because if I have to do something, even if it comes with an instruction manual, I will sit and watch YouTube before I open any pages of an instruction manual because I'm typical right. and I'm a lazy yeah. guy, and I don't. <laughs> However, the guys at uh, the uh, the card, a GM Bipower card, did not include Jen in that survey nope. because she has grease under her fingernails right now. She is the girl who is uh, five foot two, and she will get under a truck and do all that stuff herself. Okay, I wish I was five foot two. I'm a little shorter than that. Are you? Was I being generous? <laughs> yeah, I'm like four foot 11 and three quarters are you i feel gigantic <laughs> next to you no i'm i was very fortunate to grow up with a family that knew how to do this and you know my father told me how to do the brakes and everything else so it's great right on yeah yeah, yeah i showed i showed my daughter how to do the brakes uh on our crv um a few months back and it was it was the greatest experience for myself as well as for her i showed her how to do one one wheel that's great. And then I just kind of monitor doing the other ones. Oh, yeah, do, you good know, do you know how insignificant I feel right now when your daughter can change a brake and I can't? <laughs> <laughs> the only downside I have is the the torque on the bolts and stuff like that. No, I'm just not that strong yet. <laughs> oh, so you need like yeah. some kind of uh, torque wrench drill, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, jack drill, hammer yeah. wrench Christmas thing. present. Cr- yeah. I don't know. You, Christmas I didn't even know what the name of the tool is. You see how sad I am? <laughs> Yeah, no, you do need a torque wrench for, for many fasteners on a vehicle because you can over-torque them, and when it comes mm-hmm. to something like brake, you can cause a lot of damage. So I did that with my spark plugs. I broke them. Yeah. 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 I learned. Yeah, over-torque them. Do, vi- yeah, do, 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 Americans, do Americans trust themselves to do any of this stuff? Do they, I mean, if, yeah, is, is, it uh, a, is it a trust issue that if I change the brakes, maybe the car won't stop? That's why it's, it's good to have uh, some video tutorials or something to watch or or to have a buddy that knows what he's doing show you how to do it and then you, you build that confidence you build that confidence over time excellent chris duke thanks for uh, yeah. joining us today we've got a packed show still to come uh loads of stuff that you will probably want to hit the record button if you have a device that does that Welcome back to the show. I wanted to touch on something that's coming up very quickly in the Northwest, which is the Olympus Rally. Uh, If you want to get muddy and dirty and you have fun, uh, Mark Morgan on the phone with us to talk about the Olympus Rally. 
Uh, you're in the final countdown, my friend. How, how's we that going? We are two weeks away or a week away. It's, it's coming up quick. It's amazing how quick it comes on. You, uh, what are the last final things you need to do for the Olympus Rally? The last couple of things is confirm all of our entries, make sure everybody's got all their registration, everything that way. I'm confirming all my vendors that are coming out because we got food coming out for all the spectators to uh, you know, partake in. Wait, there's off-roading uh, and food? There is. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> we got all the fun stuff out there, so... Uh, just just give us a 360-degree look at what the Olympus Rally is if somebody is hearing this for the first time. Sure. Uh, Olympus Rally is a stage rally uh, where uh, mostly off-road type of cars, or okay, a lot of Subarus, uh, <laughs> are going through the woods at a uh, very fast pace, typical in like 75 to 100 mile per hour through the woods. But in terms of spectator, the idea is that you're able to go out, you're able to see the competitors, you get to go up and actually meet them, see the cars, some of them even let you sit in the cars, and then you get to go out and see them race through. Uh, You've so, done this, right? Yeah. I mean, you, apart from organizing it, you're actually a participant or you you have participated? I've gone out and I've actually done the training and everything that way, and I've been in the cars before, so I, I know what it's like to be on both sides. Some of my recent driving is actually even out on our website. Uh, we call Video Recce, so if you want to see what even the whole stage looks like, what they're driving through, you can go out and see it yourself. It's public to everybody. I, uh, I'm a pretty aggressive driver, uh, you know, mm-hmm. just of being on racetracks for a while, and uh, I took... My two sales managers to lunch this week, uh, um, Mike Martin, who's the digital sales manager, was sitting in the front of the BMW 5 Series I'm driving, and he's hanging on for dear life, and we're driving on the freeway, <laughs> and I'm like, what, what's the matter? And he's going, dude, do you, do you ever get tickets? And I'm like, this is like what a real car driver drives a car. Yeah, we do we do handbrake turns around corners. That's how it goes. And he's yeah. like, you got to do the flick and everything, right? Right. You get there right. Right. So I, I can only imagine how Mike Martin would feel if, uh, if he was sitting in the passenger seat of one of these uh, Olympus rally cars, he'd probably be you, screaming. You know, I would be happy to have him come out and even get oh, out on our press stage with one of the real drivers, and you know, and let's see how well he does. Yeah, he's. Uh, I mean, I, I have to admit, I'm a fairly aggressive driver, you know, and I'll travel close. You what? are. What? Oh, totally. Jen, you make me sound like I'm a bad driver. No, now. you're not a bad driver. You are aggressive. Yeah, I mean, it's. I ha- I do make a qu- conscious separation about cornering on a racetrack versus cornering on a street the difference being i don't curb the car but the on a street on a racetrack that's that's the whole thing is well especially after last weekend we've been driving cars on the track and it's kind of like oh yeah I can't do that now. <laughs> we were Dirt actually, is a little different, I'll yes. say that. Uh, we, we, we were up in Shelton, Washington, and we took a bunch of vehicles over the uh, autocross uh, segment at uh, the Ridge Motorsports yep. Park. And we got it nice and done. In fact, I, uh, one of our, our guys, Tuan, got, uh, he's our web guy, got the, got the Tacoma stuck on the logs. Did. Had to be towed out by an F-150. Highly <laughs> oh, embarrassing no. since the Toyota no, it was a rep was... 350. A 350, yeah. 350. Uh, uh, Ford 350 yeah. towed out the Tacoma. And the worst thing for us was that the Toyota Tacoma rep was sitting in the car and, and when oh. it got so in the truck when it got stuck. So embarrassment, I think he, he just covered his face. Where can we find out more? Give us the website, Mark. OlympusRally.com. We have Spectator Guide up there. We have uh, all the information. All right, we'll do it. Thank you, my friend. Uh, still to come, we're going to find out about a vehicle that could possibly be in the Olympus Rally, the RAV4. That's coming up. We're back. This is America's Car Radio Show. We'd like to thank you for being part of the Car Nation. And for more fun facts about cars, you can go to our website, uh, ourautoexpert.com, our Facebook page, Our Auto Expert, and, of course, Instagram, or listen to us on Podbean, which we can do actually via the website as well. The 2019 RAV4 was revealed at the New York International Auto Show this year, and Toyota announced they had sold over 400,000 RAV4s in North America last year. A pretty big winner. So why are they replacing it? The man with all the questions to be answered is uh, Brian Hancock. Brian, good morning. Uh, new Rav Four. Excited in the Toyota ga- in the Toyota offices. Oh my gosh! Well, first, thank you for having me, Nick. And yes, we are absolutely excited to. Uh, we we couldn't have been more excited to share this with the world back at the New York Auto Show, and the response has been overwhelmingly great. We're we're really pleased. Why replace the car when you sold four hundred thousand? Does that does that seem? Are you are you looking to sell five hundred thousand this year, or what? What was the plan? Because it it's clearly a hit. No, yeah, great great question. So as you said, yeah, we sold over four hundred thousand. It actually makes it the uh, it is the number one selling non truck in the U.S. So number one selling SUV, and it also 
uh, outsold any any car. Um, but with with so many buyers, there uh, there becomes um, quite a lot of differences between the buyers as far as what they're wanting out of a small SUV. Right? Some are looking for more capability off road. Some are looking for capability on road. Uh, so as you can tell, if you've seen the 2019 RAV4, we have a lot of different flavors to offer our buyers now. Um, and and with that, we're able to really give each of our buyer groups more of what they want: more capability off road with our adventure grade, more uh, more of a sporty RAV with our X. HV, um, and then we have a very premium limited as well. So we're really just the goal here is just to give our, our buyer groups more of what they're looking for. Now, much to Jen's delight, uh, it seems like sedans are something of the past in America, and more people are going to SUVs and trucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was was this something that uh, Toyota saw coming, or is it just a happy circumstance? Well, I, I tell you what, we uh, we're really pleased with uh, with how our Camry has been selling as well. Um, but having said that, yeah, we, we there is there is a I was going to say, I, I've driven uh, just recently this week the RAV4 Hybrid, which uh, I had at uh, a number of TV stations. The RAV4 Hybrid is also a big winner for you guys as well. Oh, my gosh, yeah. we uh, So it, it is it is one of the most exciting things we're, we're able to share the world. So the Hybrid RAV4 uh, will now have better horsepower than our gas 2019. So you know, 2019 gas to 2019 Hybrid. Hybrid, the the HV is going to have better horsepower. It's going to have better acceleration, and it'll of course have that MPG that you would expect. We're actually anticipating class leading MPG to go along with it. So really, it's this true no compromise vehicle now um, that uh, gives you more of what you're looking for in all of those aspects. When I look to the cars on the stand in New York, I have to tell you that normally I'm all about big gas engines like V8s. But I think the hybrid looks a little better to me, to my eye, than the gas. I mean, it's, it's a really beautiful car or SUV with lots of cool cladding. So let's talk about the design of the vehicle. Uh, it, it looks very, very different than the last RAV4, but sort of fits more in line with the Toyota SUV lineup. Yeah, and it, it's great, too, because the one that we had at the show, that was our XSE HV. So that's going to be our sportiest RAV. Um, and that's exclusively as a hybrid, and that's because we're taking advantage of that better horsepower, that better torque. Um, so, so with that uh, comes a really cool and sporty design too. Uh, we have the the two tone that's standard, so the one that we had at the show um, showed that off. Uh, but it also comes with a lot of other black accents. It has the the black wheels, um, the the black mirrors, um, just a lot of those cool. Uh, it gives it a really cool and sporty look to it. Um, along with you know more of the actual sport capability, like a sport tuned suspension. Uh, I think you, I think you guys have done a phenomenal job in the look. Uh, some of the technology pretty extensive too. Uh, you guys have put in uh, a new system that can detect pedestrians in low light. When we come back, I want to talk to you about uh, the engine, uh, the safety, and some of the trim levels, and find out when the Rav Four is coming to market, the new 2019. That's all as our auto expert continues. Welcome back. Brian Hancock still on the phone. We're talking about the brand new RAV4 unveiled at the New York International Auto Show and getting the down and dirty on the vehicle. We talked a little bit about the Safety Sense uh, 2 system that you have in the vehicle. So we said at the beginning of the segment, we talked about uh, the cool different hybrid engine that's available. But how do you actually get more horsepower out of a hybrid engine than you do out of the gas engine? Well, I'll tell you what, it, uh, it has a lot to do with uh, the Toyota hybrid system that's that's combined with our dynamic force 2.5 liter inline four to where it's it's something that we see is is a good way to continue to move forward in terms of just taking advantage of the two different power systems combined to really bring you um, a lot more you know different options but the fact that we're able to bring additional horsepower and an additional acceleration um, is something we're really excited about I have to tell you that a lot of car companies I've noticed that are doing their hybrids for the thousand fifteen hundred dollars more than the regular in or in fact companies like BMW are, are doing the plug-in hybrids for the same price as they're doing the regular vehicles uh, is is I know Lexus has gone to trying to do the price very comparably will we expect to see to sort of the price to pay for the rav4 hybrid will be uh, within range of the gas because one of the problems being that they don't always make a lot of sense if you pay five ten thousand dollars more more for the hybrid, you can't really get that money back in gas. Yeah, 
Yeah, and, that, and that's something that we continue to hear from our customers and our dealers. And uh, well, well, it's not something that we uh, we have nailed down right now in terms of what pricing looks like. That's something that happens a lot closer to launch. Um, it is it is something we're hearing, and uh, and it'll be we are looking forward to being able to share the pricing later on once we get a little bit further down this year. So you introduced in some of your vehicles the uh, Amazon Alexa integration and Apple CarPlay, and also a new Intune system. Are we expecting to see that sort of technology arrive in the RAV4? Yes. So our Intune 3.0 multimedia is is something we're, we're really excited to share. So like you said, that comes with the Amazon Alexa connectivity. It also comes with the Apple CarPlay. And what's great about this Intune 3.0 is it's standard on all of our grades. So whatever... 2019 RAV4 you end up getting, you're going to get Intune 3.0. Uh, it comes, we have on our, our higher grades, it's that 8-inch audio screen. And then we also have an available JBL audio system um, that comes with 11 speakers, including a subwoofer and uh, an A-twit, or, and tweeters on the A-pillars. So all those things combined really uh, create an, uh, an amazing audio and entertainment system in the vehicle. So you could share your music with a car next to you. Oh, so, or a few others. So, so, so I can't speak to, to exactly that, the specifics on how that would work, but uh, <laughs> you definitely can by, by just plugging in your USB to your own phone. Um, it just it's, it's a very streamlined process to set up that Apple CarPlay. All right. Well, we'll look forward to test driving one. I know that uh, you'll probably get into get us one into in, into the uh, fleet uh, for test driving. We'll go on the launch sometime in the fall this year, so we can. Uh, oh, we'd love to be able to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we'll we'll report back on how we feel the driving dynamics are. Uh, Brian, it's always a pleasure. Thank you for coming on the show and talking to us about the new Rav Four. And uh, where can we find out more? Where can we sign up for information about the Rav Four? Yes, that's a great question. So, uh, so on our website, we have an upcoming vehicles page. So, if you go to Toyota.com and then you navigate to the vehicles, you'll see a section that offers upcoming vehicles, and you'll see Rav Four tw- or 2019 Rav Four right there. All right, looking forward to it, Ryan. Have have yourself a great day. All right, thank you very much for having me. You as well. Coming up, we will tell you all about the brand new Rolls Royce Cullinan. Yep, that's right. We get an exclusive on luxury. British luxury, that is. I hope you've enjoyed the first hour of the show. I explained that we have a pretty dynamic second hour of the show coming up. We are going to find out about uh, lots of cool stuff, which includes the brand new uh, Rolls-Royce Cullinan. Uh, Jerry Spahn is going to be here from Rolls-Royce and giving us an exclusive interview about the Rolls-Royce's first SUV, We're going to get all the dirty details about that. We're also going to find out uh, about some cool stuff coming up in your neck of the woods. And uh, and I have maybe one or two surprises. But I always have surprises, don't I? Mm-hmm. Uh, follow us on uh, our auto. <laughs> Sounds so enthusiastic to be here, Jeff. Follow, follow us on our auto expert, uh, dot com and also on social media. Uh, you could hashtag our auto expert, uh, find out more. And of course, previous shows. We can join you 24 7 if you'd like to download them. Go to ourautoexpert.com or, or uh, Podbean is where um, our stuff lives. It'll soon be living on the radio station website, but that is pending. So if you want to listen to three months worth of shows they're all there uh, we're share we're a sharing type of people we like to give you uh, all the possibilities more to come on the show as i mentioned rolls royce welcome back to the show and hour two uh, jen i am currently driving a fiat 124 spider spider of course being the uh, the soft top the interesting thing about this is it's basically uh, built on a mazda mx5 or a miata and it's fiat's version of the car I have to say I like it a lot more than the Mazda Miata. Well, I saw it released in Chicago. Yes. When it first came out. Yes. Love that vehicle. Yes. It's and, beautiful. And and I love a Miata, don't get me wrong, but but the things I didn't like about a Miata, which was the exterior design was a little bit boring. The interior design could have been a little bit more plush. They've done it in this car. I love um, the front end of it. A little bit longer. Yes, and it sort of it has a, that stretch hood, very much like the original uh, 1965 version of the 124. Uh, and also the lights are square instead of the sort of the, the different lights that they have on. And now there's nothing wrong. This has the same, it's basically the same underpinnings as the uh, Mazda MX-5. But uh, if I had to choose between the two, of course, this has the 1.4 uh, multi-air engine. Uh, I, I, I got to say, I do like this better. I do too. 
um it's it's going to be my choice i in fact i like it so much i recommend it to my sister and she bought the abart version of one nice. so she toodles around in england with that um and now we have twin cars i guess uh this week at least i've also been driving some eco cars uh did you know that bmw are charging the exact same price for their eco cars uh, for their plug-in hybrids as their regular vehicles. So the 530 Gas, the 530 E and, and XE are the same same price. They start at 53000 uh, or 55 if you want the all-wheel drive. I like that idea that I don't want to have to pay more if I want a plug-in hybrid version of the car. And you can get a sort of 72 miles a gallon MPGE, the equivalent if you were just putting gas in it. 72 miles a gallon. That is stupid money for... Uh, <laughs> And it's fun to drive. It has a four-cylinder engine, but you punch that car. That was uh, that was the one that Mike Martin was in, the sales manager, mm. and he, he didn't like it because I was driving so aggressively. <laughs> Mike's going to be. Uh, I'm sure that Mike is sending emails, so I am looking at my email right now. I'm like, why are you talking about me on the air? Why are you talking about me on the air? Um, I'm also driving the, the, the Prius Prime right now, uh, test driving that. It has that big tablet screen. Do you like big screens? Because a lot of people, when I when I did the review of the Ram 1500, it's way bigger than yourself. <laughs> it's as big as your computer. That's nice. Um, a lot of people, when I did the Ram <laughs> review and talked about the 1500, they don't like big screens. Now, you're a truck girl. Do you like a big screen? I do. I think it also depends upon what generation you're into. Oh, you're saying you're old and crusty. No, you don't like a big I was screen. talking about the generation above me. Oh, well, age-wise or below you? The so baby older, boomers. Are, are the, the baby, baby boomers. boomers. So you're below the baby boomers? Yeah. Are you a millennial? No. I'm. <laughs> what, what goes in between? I'm the X. Oh, the X. I'm Gen X. I'm Gen X, too. Yeah. Oh, we're but Gen anyways, X's. I was talking about the big screens, you know, so that the, they could see. Yes, I mean, uh, oh, because because we have. Are you saying that older people have bad eyes? Not all of them. I've been wearing glasses for twenty years. Yeah, I'm just. Uh, I'm not all of them. I'm just saying. And, and now I got the glasses that change color. The uh, polarized the transition. Uh, but I can't wear them in the TV studio because no. they go dark from TV lights. <laughs> I'm like, why are you wearing sunglasses on the air? Oh, sorry, I change it out to my non non transition <laughs> version of a glasses. No, I just think it's easier to see. Bigger buttons. I noticed that uh, fuel in some places is like three fifty a gallon now. Um, and we're yeah. getting close to four dollars. So, so economical cars are starting to make more sense. It's a trend. You notice it goes up and then it goes back down. Yeah, Either. but why? If you don't have to pay for, like, I, I'm like me. <laughs> I'm talking about buying myself an SUV that is a decent, um, like fuel economy. What about the Outlander? Uh, well, I like that, but I I'm thinking about buying a Nissan Rogue. Oh, um, so I like the Rogue. Yeah, That's I have a cute. Nissan Titan truck as well, um, which is an emergency vehicle which I, I drive. I love the Titan. I'm thinking of getting a Rogue just to be stable mates. There you go. Yeah, you see, That's how it goes. Uh, <laughs> um, it, it, would you ever have a hybrid? Well, you know, the new Ram fifteen hundred has a mild hybrid yes. transmission in it, which is a forty eight volt battery, which when you start from stop. Actually, does the starting with the electric? It, the the battery is driven by the belts. The you know. The, I would personally do a hybrid than a plug-in. All right, loads of cool stuff coming up on this uh, segment of the show, including Rolls Royce and and our crazy uh, mad scientist Anton Woolman. That's coming up next on the show. Well, welcome back to the show. I've been teasing this for the entire show, Jen. Uh, this is very me. Uh, whereas you're the truck girl with uh, diesel under your fingernails, I'm more of a two-inch lambswool carpet guy myself. Okay. Just just saying. I think we both kind of agree on this You Because you, you like Rolls-Royce too? Oh, I love Rolls-Royce. All right. Who doesn't love a Rolls-Royce? The most premium luxury item, period, in the world. Not just car, but the most premium luxury brand in the world. And uh, it's really awesome to have uh, Jerry Spawn join us on the phone. He is in charge of the US PR team for Rolls-Royce. Jerry, a new Rolls-Royce announced this vehicle is a departure from anything you guys have done before. Well, Nick, thanks a lot for having me on. And you know what? This is something that is new for Rolls-Royce today, but not new historically for Rolls-Royce. So we, we've just launched the Rolls-Royce Cullinan, and Cullinan is our first entry of the modern Rolls-Royce era into the SUV segment. You'll notice I don't necessarily call it an SUV because it's an old Rolls-Royce, and you know, we say there's nothing sporty or utility about a Rolls-Royce. It's luxury. But, Jen, for you, this is not just the most luxurious um, all-wheel drive entry into the SUV market or SUV. It is a real 
performant. This is a vehicle that you will be able to take everywhere. Yeah, so it's a, it's a it's a hardcore. Wait, you can off-road in this thing? You know, Nick, if you've been following the the launch of it, we have tested this vehicle around the world. We've taken it, we've ripped up the slopes in Sweden. We've taken it through the rivers and valleys in Scotland. And um, there's some incredible video out there on the internet. You know, if you ch- if you check out our uh, our Instagram site, at, you know, Rolls Royce Cullinan, the car ripping the sand dunes in Dubai. Rumor is that it had to pull another SUV out of the sand that had that was stuck. I won't name the brand of that SUV though. Oh come on, um, Jerry! No way, not going there, Nick. But I have to admit, this is it. <laughs> it's a real off wheel all all wheel drive. Go anywhere. You know, but at the same time, when you're driving the streets, whether you're in the streets of Seattle, South Beach, or, uh, you know, uh, Beverly Hills, it gives you that magic carpet ride, that luxury feel that everyone expects from Rolls Royce. I personally like the video where it's drifting. This is awesome. Yes. A Rolls Royce that drifts. You have to demonstrate that today. You can drift in a Rolls Royce Cullinan. That's right. Uh, this all right so let's let's start let's start at the top of the list and uh, find out a little more about the car so it it's it's uh, it's bigger um, more boxier more off the ground than any rolls royce that's on the market right yes that's true it is big and you know there's been a lot there's been a lot of activity in the luxury vehicle market even on the ultra luxury vehicle market you know we've seen other brands come out with uh, entries um this is without a doubt the biggest I want to say most powerful, and not maybe not in terms of uh, you know start to sixty speed, but powerful. Obviously, the most luxurious. So this is big. We're very lucky that we just launched the Phantom. So if you recall when we spoke about the Phantom a few months ago, I said this was the first vehicle on our architecture of luxury. So this is a dedicated aluminum architecture, and as, as you know, we want to think about that more as of the bones of the car, the pan plus the ribs not just a platform. So with that architecture, our designer, uh, Giles Taylor, was able to put the wheels where he wanted them, put the seats where he wanted them, uh, put the roof where he wanted it. He wanted it big. So if you think the Phantom's big, imagine, um, you know, this is the big brother, uh, kind of like, you know, big younger brother, but the bigger, stockier uh, member of the family. The football player in the the family. (laughs) This is the family member that plays rugby. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, you know, it's a it's a three box offer with no neck. Right, they, I love it. Uh, so, what do we call the the tail? Because it's not a it's not a wagon, and it's it's sort of, but it has a very boxy back end. How do how do we how do we how do we politely say this is a hatchback without saying that? Um, you, look, you you um, anyone who's making a Rolls Royce commission can call it whatever they want. So you can call it. It is definitely a full. Um, I'd say squared off, um, you know, full figured um, SUV. You know, I think we're we're at the point now where everybody's seen it. Uh, they know what it is. They know it's a Rolls Royce. Jerry, yeah. hold on, hold on to that thought because I want to talk more about the design and I want to get inside. We've got to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, uh, we're going to wet the palate even more. So you might want to go get a nap. That's coming up. Here we go. All right. Back on the phone with Jerry Swan from BMW. Uh, so, uh, let me start it again. That's the master company. <laughs> Back on the check. yeah, really. Back on the phone with uh, Jerry Spahn from uh, Rolls Royce, and we're talking about their brand new all-wheel or four-wheel drive, uh, big Rolls Royce, six foot tall. We heard the new uh, Cullinan is. Uh, what's it like on the inside, Jerry? What's beautiful with Cullinan is that you know we're able to take all of the luxury of Rolls Royce, all the craftsmanship. So it has the, the, the craftsmanship in terms of the woodwork and the leather. That's a given with Rolls-Royce. But the design of it is it's actually very interesting. It's different than what we've seen before. You have kind of a symmetrical two compartments to the uh, fascia or the instrument panel. Uh, so even when you're a passenger there, you have uh, the instrument panel kind of coming up a little bit and giving you your own personal fascia. You have your own personal space. Uh, in terms of the whole compartment, what it did is it gave us a chance to do something we've never done before, which is in the rear. Um, again, as I mentioned, like we were able to determine exactly where we wanted those rear seats. And, you know, you can, you can take them both down and have a full open rear compartment. Or when they're up, we actually have a compartment, um, a, a piece of glass that will separate your rear 
quote unquote cargo space from the uh, second row. Um, you, it comes in both a bench and a, um, um, a configuration where you have two independent seats, which is we think it's going to be kind of a, a strong mix. Um, but you have tons of room in the back. You have the, the traditional Rolls-Royce picnic table that folds down with our 12-inch uh, new LED uh, screens. And what's really cool, one of the coolest things is, of course, at Rolls-Royce, we're not going to just have a luggage compartment in the back, a cargo compartment. We've built into the floor what we call an event module, an entertainment module. And the floor will rise up, and a drawer will fold into that floor, and that drawer can be customized for whatever you would like. We can customize it. If you're a hunter, we can customize it for your guns, your fishing equipment. Uh, if you're a drone racer, we can customize it for your drone, for your falconry kit. Um, all of that is built in as the floor will rise up and the event module will slip right in there. That's amazing. And I think it's really cool. I mean, that's kind of the classic Rolls-Royce inspiration here. And then as uh, we have a hatch that splits, folds up, but also folds down. If you think of the old uh, Phantom um, Coupe and the Phantom had the rear um, hatch that comes down from the boot. Um, and on that, one of the options we have, we've already shown this, are viewing seats, seats that fold out, the backs flip up, and then you can sit on the back of the hatch. So it gives um, us and our bespoke designers a whole new world to bespoke and design and create great new accessories for our owners. Perfect to go to the Kentucky three day with, because you could just park on the oh. hillside and watch everything. I think you keep your eyes open next year. You'll see some there. <laughs> I, I'm absolutely looking forward to that part. Uh, traditionally Rolls Royce, Jerry always had a big engine under the hood. Well, uh, again, all Rolls Royce motor cars are powered by a, a V12 engine. This uh, will have the latest, the 6.75 liter uh, V12. It's um, going to, you know, generates 563 horsepower. Um, I think it's 627 um, pounds of torque. Wow! It is a very powerful, and that's remember, the heft of the car combined with the air suspension, the independent four airbag suspension. That's all computer controlled with an extremely powerful engine married to that uh, eight-speed transmission from ZF, the best in the world, that's what generates the magic carpet ride in every Rolls-Royce. So it's, it's not just having your power. It's having your power, the right transmission, matched to the weight of the car and tuned just perfectly. So this is going to be, um, as I said, this can, this can tour you around the, uh, the city in a magic carpet ride, and then when you it actually has an off-road mode. You push a button, and then you're tearing up the sand dunes outside Dubai or in uh, New Mexico or wherever you want to do it. Uh, but please do it responsibly. <laughs> uh, now, the big question for this is how much is it uh, you think it's going to cost? And maybe that's not going to be announced until it's on sale. I know Rolls-Royce is going to cost well, whatever you want. but No. All right, you have no, a price? I mean, we're, we're, we're pretty clear about this. I mean, and what I want to be absolutely crystal clear is Phantom is, is, has been, and always will be the pinnacle vehicle in the Rolls-Royce lineup. This is not our pinnacle vehicle. Um, it is our pinnacle offering in the SUV segment, and it is the best in that area. Um, the starting price in the United States is, a, is around $325,000. Um, as everybody who's followed us knows, that means that you know, our, our owners add 20, 25, 30% on average. So, you know, it's going to be in that, um, you know, three fifty dollars to $400,000 range. And then we're going to have some great owners that are going to do some five, six, you know, God knows what, uh, whatever their imagination can limit. They'll be taking cars up and, you know, who knows, maybe we'll have somebody take one up uh, into seven figures. Wow. Uh, and, and then you don't just have to buy one Rolls Royce. You're not limited, right? Yeah. And this is a, you know, very important business point for us. Um, our average owner has 10 cars. Every 100% of them have a, an SUV in their garage. Right. And, you know, for example, if you own a Phantom, um, you may want uh, another SUV. And it's uh, right now it's always another nameplate. And it can, it can run from Chevrolet to Range Rover. What this does is give Rolls-Royce lovers a chance to have a, you know, all-wheel drive, a vehicle they can use for the family or for their sports or for their activities. Um, they don't have to to uh, compromise by using another brand, um, we, we want to we just want to make them happy. 
Jerry, I'm always uh, very pleased to talk to you, and I think this is going to probably be the new Hollywood car uh, that all the big <laughs> stars are going to be driving up to uh, things like uh, the Oscars and the Golden Globes in. Um, if you want to see more of the new Cullinan, you can go to uh, see some of our, our video pieces at Our Auto Expert. Jerry, always a pleasure. Uh, we'll look forward to some time behind the wheel of this car. I may, may need uh, a long-term loan in the new Cullinan. Well, Nick, you know, given your success, um, I think we can we'll, we'll 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 get the order book out right away. Excellent, okay. perfect. I'm all I'm all over it. Uh, when we come back, we're gonna we're gonna talk. Uh, how crazy is Elon Musk? That's when we come back. Welcome back to the show. As always, we like to uh, have our friend Anton Wallman join us. He is an independent investor and analyst, and Anton always talks about some of the latest technology and perhaps uh, the things that are going right at Tesla, which doesn't take very long to get through. The things going wrong, however, takes a lot more time to get through. Uh, Let's talk about what might be going wrong with Elon Musk, Anton. There has been a spate of tweets and uh, verbal press conferences in which Elon, his mental stability has started to be questioned by many. That's right. So what stole the show in terms of the media attention in in the hours following the quarterly earnings report was that Elon basically refused to answer questions from some of the analysts on the call, questions pertaining to how Tesla was going to be able to fund uh, you know, future capital expenditures for factories building the likes of the Model Y and other future products that could come out in a few years, as well as what's happening with Model 3 reservations. And all of that basically took up all of the media attention as to why he refused to answer these questions. Now, in my opinion, this masks the by far and away more important issue of the actual underlying numbers as they are going on. So Tesla lost, depending on your uh, choice of accounting method, between about $23,000 and about $25,000 per car sold in the March quarter. It had interest expense of about $5,000 per car sold. And their working capital, in other words, uh, their current um, assets minus their current liabilities, was a negative of $2.3 billion. Was that mean? What that means uh, for the layperson is that they have short-term bills of about $2.3 billion that they didn't pay before the end of the March quarter so as to make the numbers look a little bit better. So they have an enormous amount of monies that have to be paid here in the very near term. And by all accounts, they have to raise billions of dollars in the next few months alone just in order to stay afloat. And the question is whether Elon Musk uh, went on this verbal tirade uh, so that it would distract from the fundamental seriousness of these numbers that uh, puts his business on dire straits. Uh, The other thing that I've noticed with Elon is some of his tweets are very questionable. Well, what he did uh, about a day and a half after this um, tirade on the earnings conference call was to go out there and start to explain that really the questions that were being asked by analysts had really been answered in his quarterly investor letter so that he really didn't feel an obligation to answer them. Well, in reality, of course, none of those questions had been answered in that quarterly investor letter, and that's why these very serious and noteworthy analysts were asking these questions. And uh, one really has to question what he's up to here because, uh, you know, anybody who looks at these numbers would argue that he needs billions of dollars here before this year draws to a close just in order to stay afloat. So maybe he's got some new investor lined up. Maybe it's some uh, mythical foreign investor from the Middle East or China or Japan or something like that. Maybe it's an Amazon or Alibaba or somebody, but he needs money and he needs it fast. So uh, is he bluffing here or is he really uh, saying things that are really a little bit crazy? We'll we'll find out shortly. But he's still reporting that uh, it's only losses in his future and everything he's projecting, 80% 80 failure rate pretty much. Yeah, no, all of the goals with respect to production and sales – uh, essentially have not been met. And forget about the bottom line, of course. He lost, uh, depending on your choice of accounting measure, either $710 million 
or $760 million in the March quarter. That was their biggest loss ever. So uh, when he says that they are going to be profitable here for both the third and the fourth quarter of this year, uh, one really has to make some extremely heroic assumptions to see how that happened. Mind you, he sold 30,000 vehicles worldwide in the March quarter, which was almost exactly, barely even a rounding error away from what he sold in the December quarter. So there's really been no growth here. All right, Anton, when we come back, I want to talk about his new set of woes, which involve a lawsuit from somebody that says he stole their designs and a fire at the F-150 factory or a supplier for the F-150 factory means that we might see a slowing in delivery of those vehicles. That's coming up. Uh, Welcome back to the show. Anton Wormelson on the phone with us. We're talking about uh, Tesla and Elon Musk. Uh, now, a new turn of events for the Tesla truck, which is uh, another truck company, says that they may have had this design first. That's right. So a, a privately held company called Nikola, uh, interestingly enough, as uh, in Nikola Tesla, it uh, claims that Tesla essentially stole the looks of its, of its hydrogen electric truck that's coming out in the next year or two. And uh, I, I find this a little bit of a stretch in the sense that so many of these products, whether they are automobiles or trucks, tend to be so similar in looks anyway that one may wonder why they filed this lawsuit. Certainly filing a lawsuit against a high-profile company like Tesla brings a lot of attention with it. And the attention, you might ask, may also be warranted from the following perspective, and that is that the company just received an order of 800 of these hydrogen electric trucks from Anheuser-Busch. Uh, the beer company, beer and spirits company, and that's an enormous order when you think about it. So that's actually larger than any order we've seen, I think, from any uh, buyer out there whatsoever in terms of a next-generation fueling truck of this uh, long-distance magnitude. So uh, if and when this company ever manages to make these large semi-trucks in volume, uh, it'll be a pretty seminal moment in uh, in commercial trucking history. Uh, tell me a little bit about what you know about the truck itself. So it uses hydrogen as a fuel and then converts uh, that into electricity? That's right. And it also has a bit of a buffer battery so that, you know, when you need an extra amount of torque and power for acceleration, uh, it can use the uh, power that's stored in the battery to uh, provide for extra torque and power at those moments in time. So this is not totally different from what Toyota is doing in the port of Long Beach in Los Angeles, where it is testing a truck, which is soon going to be a handful of trucks, uh, also running on hydrogen and also containing a, a buffer battery. But the main source of fuel clearly is the um, the hydrogen. So you need to uh, essentially station these hydrogen fueling tanks uh, where you're going to be running these routes. So the hydrogen, I believe, being made uh, for the trucks in Long Beach comes from an organic source, doesn't it? Yeah, well, you can make it. They're testing a few different sources, you know, from, uh, you know, cow manure to, uh, you know, you can, uh, you know, just reform natural gas. You can do it in a, and you can use all sorts of garbage and waste. They're they're basically testing a a few different methods, but in the case of the port of Long Beach, which is very, very dirty, of course, because of the diesel emissions coming from these large and old trucks, they essentially have a natural source of uh, of hydrogen there because they have an oil refinery sitting right there uh, near the port of of Long Beach. And these trucks are really uh, meant to just drive 50 or 75 miles to some warehouse somewhere in the broader uh, Los Angeles metropolitan area where they will drop off or pick up the goods. So uh, the truck goes there, say, 50 or 60 or 75 miles, and then comes right back. And they really only need one fueling station as a result. So uh, that type of technology lends extremely well to this type of uh, new energy truck. Excellent. Uh, Let's talk about something that's a rumor right now. It hasn't been confirmed, but could uh, add to the woes of American truck buyers. There is a rumored uh, reported fire that may have happened at a magnesium supplier or a a supplier who has magnesium parts for the F-150, and uh, their sprinkler system was water, which, of course, does not mix well with magnesium. That's right. So in the context of another one of the large truck makers, Ram, which has just come out with its 2019 all-new Ram pickup truck, 
uh, also having trouble ramping production. I think they said a few weeks ago that they were up to only 60% of capacity. If it turns out to be that Ford also would now see a bit of a supply interruption as a result of this uh, vendor being unable to supply just in time these magnesium parts, that would make for an interesting situation in the market in the sense that the uh, hottest in demand these days being these large and new pickup trucks, um, not being able to get uh, the uh, all of the supplies that uh, that the demand seems to warrant. So uh, this is something that we have to monitor very carefully as we get into uh, uh, June and uh, the months after that. You might see a raise in price of some of these trucks too, and people may be just jumping to older models, which are still on the lots because uh, they're, they're considerably cheaper. Yeah, in the case of Ram, of course, they're in a unique situation right now because they're actually running three factories. They opened up their third factory here at the beginning of the year in Sterling Heights, Michigan. So they're making the pickup truck in two factories in Michigan plus the one in Mexico. And they were going to do that for about a year or so as they transition into this new uh, next generation truck model. But in the short term, what this means is that they were really prepared to deal with a situation like this, because if you can't find the new truck, at least you can find the old truck and the old truck is discounted very, very heavily. So this might mean that they would maybe can pull back a little bit on those discounts if people don't have a choice. And Anton, where can we read more about your stuff? A majority of my public are published on um, SeekingAlpha.com. Excellent. Anton Warman, our uh, analyst and independent investor, thank you for joining us. When we come back, we'll find out what we learned on this week's show. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this week's show. Uh, Jen, did you learn anything? Yes. What did you learn? You want to own a Rolls-Royce, but you can't afford one? Exactly. Yeah, me too. I've always been a Rolls-Royce fan. Um, they're, They're the world's premium luxury brand, period. Oh, yeah. Just every little detail is thought of. It makes me crazy when people go into the Rolls-Royce factory and order 12 of them or 20 of them. Or I mean, <laughs> If I did that, I'd have each one different. You would? Oh, yeah. Like, where would you park them? Do you have enough room for 12 Rolls-Royces in your driveway? No. No, me neither. Maybe my parents' shop. Yeah, yeah your parents have a shop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Daddy. Yeah, exactly. Does that work if you go, Daddy, can I have a Rolls-Royce? No. My dad would be like, work harder. Go get your own. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Is your dad kind of a tough guy? No, he's actually a really, he's a teddy bear, but. Is he? Yeah, but he works hard. Yeah, well. He really does. Both him and my mom. Yeah, you're you're kind of from that ilk. Uh, If you want to follow the show while we are not on the air, you can do that at ourautoexpert.com. Of course, you can find all the latest on social media, uh, Instagram, Facebook, and the Twitters. Until next week, ta-da for now, and, you know, keep that right foot uh, off the break. Yes.